0: Uh, I'm going to be preaching out of 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you have a Bible, please turn there. It's almost at the very end of the Bible. Uh, Keep your Bible open. Keep your app open as I go through this. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is uh, probably Paul's final letter that he wrote. Paul wrote wrote most of the New Testament. This is his last words. Uh, He was writing to a younger pastor named Timothy. Uh, Paul is in prison as he writes these things. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. Paul says to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me, please. Lord, we thank you for the blessing and the grace of your word spoken to us. We ask for your mercy and your grace in understanding it and applying it, particularly for John as he begins his ministry, for the elders of this church, for all of us, as we seek to better know you and hear your word and receive it with humbleness and joy. We pray in the name of Jesus, our friend. Amen. Today, John begins his life as a minister after an early retirement from the fire department. Uh, Many would consider this career move to be pretty crazy. Something along the lines of going into the horse and buggy business. Isn't this kind of thing outdated? Hasn't the world moved beyond this kind of thing? Maybe people might consider it more like moving into the telemarketing business. Isn't this morally suspicious? Isn't this underhanded? Our passage this morning comes from Paul's second letter to Timothy. It's written just before his execution by the evil Roman emperor Nero. Nero found Paul and other first century Christians to be so offensive and so dangerous that he tortured and he murdered many of them. American Christians today are nowhere close to suffering what the earliest Christians did. But even so, we have a lot to learn from Paul's somber words as he now passes the torch to Timothy for the next generation of local church ministry. In these words, God is showing us not only why pastoral ministry is so important, but also how it's to be carried out. So as Paul is giving his last will and testament, awaiting the bloody end of his earthly sojourn, he is calling us too to look to the end. Not only the end of our own lives, although that's a very important part of it, as we'll see, But also, Paul is calling us to look to the end of the entire universe as we know it. Paul is solemnly instructing Timothy with his eyes fixed on the second coming of Christ when Jesus will stand as judge over the entire lives of every single man, woman, and child through all of history. In verse 1, Paul says, I charge you In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. And so you can see that Paul is beginning with the end. John, as you begin your ministry today, you too must look to the end. If you are going to be what the apostle Paul has earlier called a good soldier of Jesus Christ, He calls this an approved worker with no need to be ashamed. And you CTK elders, what you are seeing here today is a picture of what makes for the end of a good ministry. You are seeing how we should be encouraging John and what we should expect of him as he heads there. Three points today. Pastoring with the end in mind living with the end in mind and finishing with the end in mind. So first, what does it look like to pastor with the end in mind? That's in verses 2 to 4. After the solemn introduction of verse 1 where Paul says, I'm solemnly charging you, Timothy, in light of the final judgment of the universe, Paul now gets to what he's actually charging. He says, Preach the word. Preach the Word. We can see here that the priority for faithful ministry must be preaching God's written Word. That is taking what God has already said and restating it in a way that clearly communicates its meaning and its demands for us today. Paul has just told Timothy at the very end of chapter 3, That written scripture, all of it, all of God's written scripture is his very voice. It is useful and productive, Paul says, for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Paul is saying that by and through scripture, the pastor is complete. He is equipped for every good work. Everything the pastor needs, everything we need, it is in God's word. When a pastor is preaching God's word, he is saying to God's people today, this is what God says. Listen up. Paul does not say, Timothy, I'm charging you to build a following. He does not say, I'm charging you to curate a religious museum, to make people feel good, to manufacture an aesthetic experience. Paul does not say to Timothy, transform the city or take back the nation. He does not even say visit the sick, help the poor, be a good listener and administer the sacraments even though pastors must do all those things. Paul says preach the word of God. God's word now most clearly and thoroughly communicated to us in the written words of the Old and New Testaments. God's word is the foundation and the center and the heart of ministry in Jesus' church. Scripture is As God's very words to humanity about who He is and how we can be reconciled to Him, Scripture is at the heart of everything that the pastor does. At the final judgment, every one of us will face God with our entire lives exposed before Him. It will be clear that every single person who has ever lived deserves the darkness of eternal separation from their Creator. But in and through God's word, we hear that God has graciously provided a way for us to be forgiven. And so Paul says earlier in chapter 1, verse 10, that it's through the proclaiming of the gospel, through the proclaiming of this good news about Jesus, that Jesus is now, Paul says, abolishing death. He's bringing life and immortality to life. There is no escape from eternal suffering and death without the proclamation of the word of God. That is why pastoring with the end in mind, with the final judgment in mind, where this universe is headed in mind, pastoring with that in mind will always have the preaching of God's word at its heart. But Paul says that Timothy has to preach in season and out of season. He means that there are going to be times when people want to hear what God has to say and times when they do not. There are going to be times when we find what God's Word says to be pleasing and affirming and times when accepting it is going to mean loneliness and pain and self-denial, perhaps even death. There are going to be times and places where many people are accepting God's Word with joy and it's having an enormous impact on their lives and their communities and their societies. And there are going to be times when very few people want anything to do with God's word and it looks like it's doing nothing. But no matter what is happening, Paul says to Timothy, he says to every pastor since, preach the word in all kinds of seasons. Given how serious the final judgment is, Paul then tells Timothy what he's supposed to do with the word. He says, you are to reprove and rebuke And exhort, those first two words emphasize that proclaiming God's word means correction. It means saying that what somebody is doing, what we are doing, is wrong and that it needs to change. There's an element of warning in the preaching of God's word because the consequence of refusing to listen to it is eternal separation from God and all the misery that comes with it. Paul also says that Timothy is to exhort. He is to aim to see people responding to what God says, whether it's in how we think or how we feel or in what we do. So preaching is not the transmittal of information. It is not a lecture on theology. It is not entertaining an audience. It is not giving a TED talk. It is the declaration of what God says In such a way that it's clear what we need to do in response. But the Bible says that deep down all humans have a tendency to reject God. All of us have a tendency to manufacture false gods in his place. To build our own little kingdoms. Christians including pastors will continue to battle against this tendency until the day they die. We don't want to be corrected. We don't want to be rebuked. We are perfectly fine on our own. Thank you very much. Our world bristles at the idea, just like Paul's world did. We bristle at the idea that anybody can speak confidently on behalf of God to other people, telling them what they should be doing, let alone that God might have a problem with what feels so good and so natural to us. So Paul says to Timothy that he needs to be doing all of this with patience, with complete patience, with complete teaching. Timothy needs to keep at it. He needs to not become discouraged when listeners are balking at what he's saying, whether they are in or outside the church. He needs to play the long game, to not become frustrated or bitter. And he needs to build all of it on what God's Word actually says, not just what he thinks or what he wants or because he has daddy issues and he's grinding his axes on the congregation to work through it all. Now, why does Timothy, why do I and John and the elders, why do we need to shepherd Jesus' church like this with the centrality of God's word in all kinds of seasons and ways that call for people to change? The reason, Paul says, is because generally people don't put up with healthy teaching about how God has provided a way for us to escape his wrath. In our sinful Self-absorption. Paul says that we go out of our way to find people to say what we want to hear, so that we can do what we want to do. And Paul says, "You don't just do this a little bit." He says, "We do this a lot of bit." He uses a word uh, that, in my Bible, is translated as "accumulate," but really it means build a really big pile. It means heap up. Paul says, "We heap up teachers who line up with our own desires." Our desires for status and for pleasure and belonging and safety and wealth and comfort. Many of them good and admirable desires. It takes about 30 seconds on Google to find scholars and pastors and influence to support any interpretation of scripture you want. Of scripture you want. Give it another 10 seconds and you can find one of them waving a Greek word study at you. People want to turn away from listening to the truth, Paul says. Apart from the grace of God, we want to wander away into myths. If it means that we get to have what feels good and makes sense to us, if it means continuing to delude ourselves, that this world is the only one that matters and that we can cling to its shallow praise and its pleasure. But we need the truth of the gospel. Eternity is at stake. Remember, Paul is saying to Timothy, I'm charging this to you in light of what's going to happen. There is a final judgment coming. And the only way through it is this good news that God has sent his son Jesus to suffer God's judgment on behalf of anybody, no matter what they've done, to suffer for them when they put their trust in him. So Paul says to Timothy, Preach the word. That's pastoring with the end in mind. But in verse 5, Paul also describes living with the end in mind. Pastors are not sermon delivery algorithms. Their very lives communicate and reinforce what they speak from the pulpit. George Herbert is this poet I've been telling you guys about. He has this amazing poem where he describes the preacher He was a preacher himself in a small church. Uh, He describes the preacher as a stained glass window through whom the sunlight of God's word is shining in all of its beauty upon God's people. Here's one of the stanzas. He's speaking to God. But when thou dost anneal in glass thy story, making thy life to shine within the holy preachers, then the light and glory more reverend grows and more doth win which else shows waterish, bleak, and thin. Paul is saying to Timothy, as for you, in your life, what you are doing, not just on Sunday mornings, he says, as for you, always be sober-minded. It's serious work. It's not a joke. It doesn't mean that the pastor should be the grouch-in-chief, although sometimes they are, But it does mean that the pastor needs to be an example to the church of taking God seriously. Everything we do in and out of the pulpit, whether you are a pastor or not, everything we do should be lived in light of the beauty and the majesty of God. In light of how good and how pleasant it's going to be to live with him forever. Paul also tells Timothy to endure suffering Our world says escape suffering, avoid suffering at the cost of your own conscience and your soul and your community. In the previous paragraph, Paul had reminded Timothy about how he'd been following Paul's example through many decades, not only his teaching and his character, but Paul says, you also followed my persecutions and my sufferings. Paul says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. The way that Timothy handles suffering and persecution when they come will shape and teach his congregation. Today, pastors and elders still must say to others, like Paul did to a church with a lot of problems, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He said that we say that even when imitating Christ means going on the road to the cross. Paul also tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. He's to be a proclaimer of the good news of Jesus, both inside and outside the church. It gets back to Paul's earlier point about the priority of preaching. The pastor's main job is not to offer advice or theories. He's not the host of a religious Airbnb. But the pastor is saying to people, this is what God has so generously done and offered to you in Jesus. How will you respond Paul says that Timothy is to fulfill his ministry. His ministry looked very different than Paul's, looks very different than mine, looks very different than what John's ministry is going to look like. But Timothy was to faithfully do everything that God had given him in his time and in his place. And it is a ministry. That word means service. To be a pastor is to work on behalf of somebody else. It's first and foremost, of course, about serving Jesus. But also, and particularly, and most difficultly, is that a word? It means serving other people for Jesus' sake. We can't just serve God or serve Jesus in the abstract. That's easy to do. You serve God and you serve Jesus by loving the people that he places around you. The pastor is to be a model of that. So you have pastoring with the end in mind, living with the end in mind, And now, verse 6, finishing with the end in mind. Finishing. Paul knows that the end has finally come. He's dodged death quite a few times in his life, but he knows this is it. There's no escape this time. He's about to be executed by the Emperor Nero. But even in death, Paul is committed to serving and worshiping the Lord Jesus. He says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. He's using imagery from the Old Testament sacrificial system to describe this impending death. For Paul, for all of us, death is not something to be avoided or even feared, but rather it is the Christian's final act of worship in this earthly valley of tears. Death is our final and our worst humiliation, and yet when it is offered to God in faith, He receives it as a pleasing sacrifice. But death is not only an act of worship. It's also, Paul says, the beginning of a journey. It is the beginning of the journey. He also describes his death as his departure. Literally, his untying. This word was used to describe taking down a tent or unmooring a ship from the docks. For us today we might think of somebody whose plane is detaching from the jetway. Even better, think of being a refugee, fleeing a terrible life, a terrible country, and you're on that plane and you hear it detaching. You're about to leave for something much better. For Paul and for anybody whose hope is in the resurrected Lord Jesus, death is no longer an enemy to be hated or a plague to be feared, but it becomes the gateway to eternal life. The pastor needs to preach and live and serve in light of his own deathly departure. And a lot of what that means means enduring to the end with integrity and faithfulness. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. He didn't quit. He didn't disqualify himself. He didn't go AWOL. He says, I kept fighting. I kept running. I kept holding on. Most of the pastors who crash and burn in ministry are not disqualifying themselves because of their theology or because of their teaching, but rather because of a lack of character and self-control. In his previous letter, Paul told Timothy, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. He says, persist in this, because by doing that, you will save both yourself and your hearers. We're excited today that John is beginning well, but he and I and we all must also finish well. If we want to finish the race, you cannot just be sitting in the stands pounding Cheetos and hoping for the best. You need to run and you need to finish. Finally, and I think most significantly, look at verse 8, where you see Paul's fuel For finishing. How do you get to the end in this kind of way? How do you finish well? Paul says this Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see, because Paul's faith is in Jesus, he is confident, he is even eager to go to the final judgment. Paul knows that on the basis of what Jesus has done for him and on all the ways that it's now motivated and moved Paul to gratefully serve Jesus, Paul knows that he will be rewarded and praised and welcomed by God, not just as his judge, but also as his friend and as his father. Paul knows that his head is about to be severed under the sword of an emperor who arrogantly claims to be the world's judge. But Paul also knows that his his same head will receive the crown of righteousness from the world's true and righteous judge. So Paul lovingly longs for the second coming of Jesus. And with it, his final judgment and restoration of all things. Paul says that his crown of righteousness, this triumphant reward, not just for him and other great martyrs of church history like him, but he says it's also for anybody who has loved his appearing. Anybody who finds it a delight to think of Jesus returning and revealing himself to the world. For those who love the Lord Jesus because of everything he's so graciously done for them, his final judgment is not something to be feared. But it's something that we look forward to with peace and even boldness. Why? Because the word that the pastor must proclaim, the word that we all must live by at the heart of Jesus' ministry, is the word of life. Life for the dead, cleansing for the filthy, forgiveness for the treacherous, glory for the ashamed all in and through the mercy of Jesus. So John and CTK elders and congregation and friends and family and visitors live and serve and die in light of this end by loving the appearing of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, help us to long for the end. Help us to look forward to the second coming with boldness and joy. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you have done for anyone who trusts in you. Thank you for the forgiveness that you offer to us. Help us to suffer and to live and to serve in light of what you've done for us and in light of what you will do for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.